This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. How many of you have ever had your crazy GPS lead you somewhere, and a few minutes into it, you're going, we are not going the right direction? Or when it tells you to make a U-turn, you're like, make a U-turn? Apple Maps will do it to you. I'm sure Google will every now and then as well. But today, I'm, I'm going to talk for a few minutes, uh, something that's kind of been on my heart. And some of you may look at this and may think, well, this is kind of a given. It's, it's kind of elementary where I'm at in my walk. But I, I want you to stick in there for a minute because I, I kind of feel that it's, it's where the church, especially in the United States, is at and, and where I'm at and, and I think where we're at as a church. And I want to talk today, I'm calling this, who will you follow? And when I came out of Bible school and, and first started youth ministry and stuff, you always heard about people would, would label, especially teenagers sometimes, they'd be, well, he's a leader. They'd be like, she's a follower. It's like, ooh, it's always better to be a leader. You don't want to be a follower. Oh. And I get the connotation, actually. What it's saying is that that follower is the type of person that, that doesn't stand for anything, is easily swayed by somebody else who's, more, who's influential in their life, that they've made influential in their life, right? But it was always, I always kind of had this idea for a while that it was better to be a leader than to be a follower. And so I looked at follower real quick. A follower is an adherent or devotee of a particular person, cause, or activity. Somebody who sticks to something, somebody who's devoted to a person, a cause, or an activity. How many of you would agree that you're a follower? We're all followers. I'm going to make that point here for just a minute. We all follow people, and we all follow things. And as you can see, we took about 74 minutes at the end of worship to talk about football. Oh, man, football. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> football season's just getting going. And for some of you guys especially, how many of you ladies love football? Wow, okay. Uh, especially for some of you guys and some of you ladies, it's your favorite time of year. For your spouse, it may be their least favorite time of year. But you are devoted to that football game, to that team. You follow them. Even if you miss the game, you know who won, right? Sometimes before it's over. You know who's going to win. Even if you're not watching it, you're tapped in on your phone, or you got the radio on in your car, or whatever else. It might be the NBA. Who loves the Grizz? I mean, my goodness. Yeah? It may be the MLB. Maybe hockey. Maybe soccer, the true football. It may be college sports. And we, we, we can't get through a service here without talking about the University of Memphis. Comes up somewhere. It's always a point on your sheet there, isn't it? University of Memphis. We love, we follow these things. Maybe you're, maybe you're one of those ladies who can't really relate, and you, maybe you like following the latest fashions, or maybe you're like my wife, and you can, or and Madison, you can watch the Food Network all day long. You just love seeing what you can do with food and all the different things. You're always looking at who's the new top chef and, you know, and all these kinds of things. For others, like me, like Mike, like Charles, maybe you like technology. You like that stuff. You're always reading and, and reading articles and different things. Maybe you're one that's got to always have the latest technology. You've got to have the new Android, the new Apple device, or whatever it is that's out, because it just, it, it just kind of 
just kind of stirs you up. You like that stuff. It just it gets you going, seeing all the newest, latest technology. I know people from looking on Facebook, some people follow their horoscope, and it will shape your life. Some people read that every day to see how their day is going to go. True? Some people, it's TV shows. For the last decade, you know, it's been all these reality TV shows, and, and so now maybe you follow Dancing with the Stars or America's Got Talent or The Voice. Or, my Lord, what season is Survivor in now? 76? I can't believe it's still around. The Amazing Race, Big Brother. Maybe it's movies. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm kind of a movie buff. I love movies, and I can see a trailer. I mean, how is it that, like, four months ago, they announced Batman versus Superman, the movie, and it's releasing spring of 2016? Don't get me stirred up like that. Year and a half early. And I'm going to watch every trailer and be like, oh, yeah, the next trailer, oh, I can't wait, you know, or the next Marvel movie coming out, whatever it is that you follow. For some of us, maybe it's work. Maybe we live for that next task. Maybe we have a hard time sitting still. We've always got to be doing, 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 doing something, and we follow work. We follow the next task everywhere we go. Maybe, what's that? Fishing. Maybe it's fishing. You can follow Mr. Mike's boat around Sardis Lake or... For some of us, maybe it's drama. You ever known somebody that follows drama? Yeah. <laughs> Usually somebody that follows drama, drama follows them. True? Well, I just can't understand why all this keeps happening. Hopefully we have people we follow as well. Maybe it's a preacher or a pastor. Maybe it's... Maybe it's a manager at work that we look up to. Maybe it's those people on the covers of the tabloids in the grocery store line. Brangelina and, and I can't even look. Kim Ye. What, what the heck? Who? Oh, Jesus, help us all. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. But the point is, male or female, big or small, young or old, bearded or unbearded, we're all followers, Right? We were all designed to follow, and you realize from the very first breath that we took, we were followers. We weren't born the leader, we were born the follower. True? From the very first moment that we were born, we have followed our parents, we, we followed them, we copied them, we learned how to walk, we learned how to talk. They say it's the best time to teach a kid multiple languages, right? Because they're just eager to learn, and they're just following, 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 copying, copying, everything. How many of you have ever heard your kids say something, they repeated something that you said that made you cringe? Oh. And maybe it embarrassed you because it was in public. Oh. They are following us. They are copying us. They were born to be followers. And imagine if we didn't follow our parents. We'd be dead, and naked, hungry. True? Following comes natural long before leadership. And this is in your notes. I think it starts your notes there. Following comes long before, comes natural to us long before leadership does. We've always heard, and I'll tell you, it is absolutely true, the longer I live, we become like those we follow, right? Friends pick similar interests. Their routines many times are similar. They speak the same phrases and many times begin to use the same expressions. A lot of times even their mannerisms begin to line up. Isn't that true? Because we absolutely rub off on the person next to us. 
the characteristics of those we follow or associate with will rub off on us. Now, let me give you an example. You're going to find this a little weird. Something I learned this year. As a guy living in a house with three young ladies, I almost said two, three young ladies, how many of you know that you kind of dread a certain time? And especially when you got young girls, you know, they're starting to grow up, and you think, oh, Lance, it's going to be like three times? We, you know, we went on that cruise with my parents at the beginning of the year, and we always, at the end of something like that, Shauna always, if you know my wife, she's always like, so did we like that or did we not like that? What would we do different next time? Would we do this again? What would... And my first response was, how about we actually take a trip where there's not multiple members of our family experiencing that time of the month. Boy, that'd be great. <laughs> the moment we decide to leave home, it's like, oh, we got to stop by the store and get some stuff. It's like, what? Every time. Now, here's what I learned this year. The cruise, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, y'all were kind of synced up. That's kind of weird. How did it happen, like, all at once? And Shauna said, you don't know? Like, she's like, when ladies live together, usually, most often, that cycle kind of begins syncing up. It gets closer and closer until it falls at the same time. And I've seen it almost to the day. <laughs> hey, that's cool. One time. Come on. But you know what this led me to believe? It led me to see something else. This isn't something that's just a spiritual concept this is biological, is the way we are wired. It's the way we were designed biologically to rub off. I mean, just somebody in this room, please don't start yawning. Because it's going to spread across the whole room. I'm going to try not to bore you. I don't think I have anything else that good, though. The hiccups. You ever know somebody gets hiccups, and all of a sudden you got the hiccups for the first time in a year? It's like, what, what in the world? How is it? That the things, even biologically, sometimes those things around us, they rub off on And that's why it's much easier to be in a bad mood when you have to work next to a person in a bad mood all day. And it's much e it's easier to be optimistic when you're around an optimistic person, right? Because whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, we rub off on the people close to us, people around us. And I don't know if y'all caught it, but when uh, Dr. Leon was here last weekend, he said, if you're around me long, you're going to pick up two things, the desire to further your education and the desire to hit the mission field. And it's true. It's, it's just contagious with him. It'll rub off on you. The characteristics of those we follow or associate rub off on us, and it can absolutely have positive or negative effects. Unfortunately, when we follow Hollywood, which is where many people are. Single people learn what the single life is like by watching, what's his name, on Two and a Half Men. And dads learn how to be dads and husbands by watching Homer Simpson. And ladies learn to be good wives from the real housewives of where the heck ever. It's like multiple places now. Those are real housewives. Lord Jesus. I wish they'd meet mine. I guess mine's not real. 
Parents learn their parenting skills from Roseanne. So it's not just the people around us, it's the things that we allow into our lives. So whether we realize it or not, these things rub off on us. Human beings were designed to be followers. And let me tell you, our hearts long for something and someone that we connect to for something that is meaningful and worthwhile. And we see it in our culture today. It's part of the problem we see in our culture today. People are looking for this, and they're not finding it. I would say to you, it is more important to learn to be a good follower than it is to learn to be a good leader. Because if you learn to be a good follower, you've already, you've already accomplished the first prerequisite in being a good leader. Let me tell you, the worst leaders are the ones who never learn to follow. The worst leaders in history never learned what it meant to follow. They had no one to answer to. They had no one to be accountable to. And as a result, they became cruel, angry, prideful, arrogant tyrants that made the lives of even those they followed miserable. Isn't that true? I'm going to read this. I read this a number of years ago. I don't know if you guys remember it or not, but I want you to try and guess who this is. It says, he was born into difficult and turbulent times. He grew up with an overwhelming passion to serve his country. He was a choir boy as a young man and came to idolize the local preacher. As a small boy, he dreamed of becoming a preacher, and he would stand in the kitchen on the kitchen chair and deliver long, fervent sermons. One of the most dramatic experiences of his young life was the death of his mother. She died on the 21st of December in the light of their Christmas tree. The doctor who attended her in those last hours was so impressed by her son and by his emotion that he said in all his career he'd never seen anyone so touched with grief. This young man was described as a friendly and charming person who took interest in the fate of every companion. He was also said to be a good-hearted and helpful man. He had a natural liking for dogs and children, and dogs and children returned his affection. As a turning point, a turning point in his life came when he was blinded during a time of war. He prayed to God for his sight and determined that if he did regain his sight, that he would devote his, his, himself to the public, to public life. He did again regain his sight, and he did devote himself to the public. He was generous with the poor, and he was said to have even shared his own clothing with the poor. He hated trash literature, and he felt a special kinship to God in rejecting those who were lukewarm and spewing them out. Brought to trial by his enemies, he declared in public that he wanted to take his case before the court of Almighty God, before which he said, we are ready to, stand, to take our stand, and then from our bones and from our graves will sound the voice of that tribunal, which alone has the right to sit in judgment upon us. He was sentenced to jail, but while in jail, he wrote a book about his struggle. It sold 10,000 copies in the first six months it was in print. It was a book which he said described his struggle against narrow-mindedness and personal spite. Under his influence, infant mortality was greatly reduced, tuberculosis and other diseases were diminished, criminal courts never had so little to do, and the prisons never had so few occupants. He was the first man in history to promote modern urban planning and anti-pollution devices for the city. Anybody know who it was? Hmm? Adolf Hitler. A natural-born, strong leader that had no accountability and didn't follow anyone. You know, it's kind of, he became a dictator. It kind of reminded me of what it's like sometimes, you know, when we talk to a wife who's in an abusive situation. An abusive, controlling, domineering husband is in the same place. Has no one to follow, or is choosing not to follow anyone. 
has no accountability, and has become nothing more than an abusive tyrant. See, Hitler was followed blindly by his people. They say it was 60 to 70 million people that followed Hitler. They were devoted to him. But you realize that if he had not been followed, if those 60 to 70 million people hadn't followed him, we wouldn't be talking about him right now. Followers have a lot of power as well. They have a lot of influence. Is it more important to be a good follower or a good leader? Let me tell you, without followers, there are no leaders. Isn't that right? You can be born with the greatest leadership skills. There are people who are natural-born leaders. And many times you can see it when they're real young. But if there's no one following them, they're not a leader. Right? How do they get followers? By first learning to be followers themselves. And so I would present to you the problem with many things in our lives is who and what we follow. I think we need to be careful what we follow, obviously, because it'll not only shape and mold our lives, but it'll shape and mold the lives of those immediately around us as well. And I've known people that have grown up in terrible situations, I've known people that have grown up in the inner city, hearing gunshots at night with drug deals going on right around them within arm's length, having no positive influence to follow. And how many of you know most people never climb out of that? But I've known others. We talk about our friend Joe Harrison, who grew up in a situation, he's preached here before. He chose he wasn't going to follow those he saw around him in that situation in South Chicago. And he chose to make more of himself and to find a more godly example, and he did. And he climbed out of his family situation and became more than anybody ever thought he could be. It's all about who you follow. There's lots of good teaching on being a good leader, but... Let me tell you, you walk into Barnes & Noble and say, I need a book on being a good leader. They'll take you to the section, right? Walk in sometime and say, I need a book on being a good follower. They would look at you, follow, follow what? 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 We only talk about being a leader. We don't talk about being a follower. We need to learn to be good followers, whether we know it or not. Let's jump in the Bible real quick. I think it's in your notes. It'll be on the screen, Mark 1:14. And this is about the calling of the first disciples. I'm going to go ahead and jump on in. Mark 1.14 says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then immediately they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further from there, he, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired servants and went after him. Now, there's a couple things I see in this. First and foremost, they, we don't know what the ages of, of Jesus' disciples were, but um, I mean, theologians believe that they were as young as, as, as 17 and 18, and some have said maybe the, the lower 20s. But these were young men, and we see here that, that Simon Peter um, was, was the oldest here, he and his brother Andrew, and then you had James, uh, the older one, and his, his younger brother John. They were old enough that, that by this point in this culture, they probably were married, they probably had wives, and 
They probably had kids because, you know, there was no birth control or anything back then. And, uh, and we know that Peter was married. It never talks about their wives. We know Peter was married because it talks about his mother-in-law in the Bible, right? Jesus healing his mother-in-law. And so we know that these guys were probably married, and they probably had children, and their whole career was set out in front of them. And we see Simon Peter, and we see James being the older ones here. I mean, they were set up to run their family business. And we see that James and John, their dad was in the boat and talked about the hired servants. That was just their employees, right? They had employees. So their vision for their life, as I can imagine it, it was already set up. It was laid out in front of them. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. I've got the family business. I can take care of my family. You know, all these different things. It's all laid out in front of them. And, you know, I don't know that they ever dreamed of anything more. They were probably following in the footsteps of their fathers. And that's all they knew. And that's good. Because it looks like they were in a good situation. They were self-made businessmen. Making a living. And then along comes Jesus. It says, preaching the kingdom of God. Telling people to repent and believe in the gospel. And I don't know if they'd heard of Jesus yet. This is right at the beginning of his ministry. But I can just imagine them sitting in their boats, bending their nets, and hearing this guy speak. And they suddenly, their vision got bigger. The moment that Jesus said, follow me. Their vision exploded. It increased. They suddenly saw something so much bigger than what they had seen before. To the point that they walked away. And they went and followed this man named Jesus. Jesus changed their entire future that they had envisioned, their dreams, even their desires. And it was all because of who they followed. And they turned the world upside down because of who they followed. If it hadn't been for those men, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this today. If you want to be a great leader, you must be a great follower. Joshua followed Moses for more than 40 years before he finally led God's people into the promised land. Elisha served Elijah, his master, for more than 10 years before he went on to do even greater works than his master did. The apostle Peter served Jesus, followed him for three years, and while making mistakes, he went on to turn the world upside down. The result of these followers was an impact and a legacy that is still impacting us a couple thousand years later. These guys were followers that became leaders that were followers. A leader has to be a follower. And so I want to inspire a little bit of thought. A lot of the rest of what I'm going to talk to you about is going to be, it's just going to be questions. I just want you to think in your life uh, about these things. And I'm just going to spend a minute on this first one, but you can follow along in your notes. First question I want to ask you is who or what are you following in your life today? You know, you don't have to be around someone long to figure out what they're following. You can pick it out real quickly. What you're following, what are you following, and what impact is it having on you? It is having an influence, whether you like it or not. There's some things you'd say, well, it's kind of neutral. Mm. Everything is having an influence on us. I would ask you to look at those things and say, is it a positive influence or negative influence in my life? 
It may be, it may be a mindset that you're following. Any, anybody here ever been trapped in a mindset before? I think we all have. You know, there's some people that will always be lonely and rejected because they have the mindset that they will always be lonely and rejected, and they don't know who they are. You realize that there are people that will always be broke and always be in lack because their family was always broken in lack. They don't have a good enough job. Nobody wants them. They can't go up in their business. I'm always going to be broken in lack. I remember saying something, even to my grandparents one time, saying something to them about, about how we were working on getting out of debt, paying off all of our bills so we could be out of debt, debt-free. And I remember my grandmother speaking up and going, that's not possible. You'll always be in debt to somebody. And I thought, wow, that's a poverty mindset. Lack. And I rebuke it for my life. There are some people that will always be a victim. Because they have, they're following a mindset that says, nothing ever goes my way. Nothing ever goes right for me. I never get a break. And they will always be the victim. True? Sometimes we're following mentality. It may be the media, you know, TV, movies, social media, all these different things. They have much of a greater influence than we would like to admit. It may be a dream. Maybe you're following a dream. Maybe you're following your dream. Maybe you're following God's dream. Maybe you're following a fairy tale dream. You ever known somebody that wasted their life following a fairy tale dream that was not reality and would never come to pass? Maybe a generational curse. You would say, well, generational curse, that follows me. If you don't do something about it, you're following it. Well, my parent, my mother was like this, and my grandmother was like this, and my you know what? You're following that curse. We've got to break it. Amen? So I'm not going to spend much more time on that. I just want you to think about who and what it is that you're following in life and what kind of an impact it is having on you every day. Second thing, and this is where I'm going to spend my time, what and who should you be following? Now, our, our culture tells us today, and you see people that have this shirt that says, Follow your heart. Oh, that's sweet. Please don't follow your heart. That is the worst idea in the world. It sounds sweet and gushy, but that is a terrible idea. How have you ever followed your heart and your heart got you in some serious trouble? It will. You know, I saw, I saw an interview, read an interview um, back months ago. You know who the country singer Leanne Rimes is? How she... Turned out she was having an affair, and she left her husband for this guy. She had an affair, and she's still defending herself. Well, I had to follow my heart. You let yourself down, and your husband down, and your new husband down, and his children down because you followed your stupid heart. Don't follow your heart. We follow our heart and our emotions. It will mess us up every time. Obviously, the media and the things we follow in the world need to be held to biblical example. We don't need to be following stuff, watching stuff that's full of lots of crude behavior, skin flicks and sexuality, terrible, horrendous violence, you know, and, and, and terrible cursing instead of blessing. These things get into us. Whether we believe it or not, it gets into us. 
Even we were talking about with some folks a couple weeks ago, horror movies. Man, that stuff gets me. I, I like suspense. I really do. I like, I like an adrenaline rush. I like, what's going to happen? But horror is a whole other thing. My problem with it is this. I believe that fear is sin. When we watch something that inspires fear in us, that's a completely different matter. Fear is the open door to the enemy. I've spent years trying to overcome my fears. The reason fear is a sin is because it's a lack of trust in God. You realize the closer we get to God, the less fears we have? If you're a person that finds yourself full of fear, keep drawing closer to the Lord. You'll find those fears will subside more and more and more because you have faith in the creator of the universe. And so anything that inspires sin is leading me the opposite direction from God. And I don't know how many people I've talked to that have had to go through the freedom ministry, go through deliverance, and a lot of it stemmed from horror. They subjected themselves to fear and a demonic influence. We've got to be careful what we allow in. And then we've got, who should we follow? The one person that's worthy of our friendship, our devotion, our following, obviously, is Jesus, right? Obvious answer. The leader of all leaders. He's, his is the example to follow. He's never forgotten his word, and he never fails us. Who else is there to follow? In the 90s, y'all remember when the What Would Jesus Do bracelets came out? Man, it was a youth group that started that. And, uh, and it ended up being, it exploded, and they didn't copyright it or anything like that. Next thing you know, all these secular companies are picking it up, and they're putting it on everything and making millions off. What would Jesus do? And they didn't care what Jesus would do. They are just making some money, and it became just a, a phrase. But let me ask you a question. What would Jesus do? What came forth from Jesus? Life, blessing, hope. How about the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22, it's in your notes there. Y'all know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we follow Jesus, these are the things that should be rubbing off on us. These are the things that should begin to come out of us. Let me tell you, I'm going to get honest here for a minute. I think that the fruit of the Spirit is one of the main things the Spirit-filled church is missing. We want the power. We want the touch. We want the glory. But we don't pursue the gifts. And what we've got to understand is the gifts of the Spirit or the, the, the fruit of the Spirit are the foundation for the gifts. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in place, the power will destroy you. That's why we see so many moral failures. Because people want the glory, they want the power, they want the touch. But there's no gifts. Um, um, fruit, sorry. And realizing too that in balance, the fruit and the gifts together in harmony will turn the world upside down. It's what we saw in the early church. It's what we need to see again today. Following Jesus is the obvious answer, but who else should we follow? We desperately need good examples to follow in this life, don't we? So who should we follow? And I'll just give you a place to start. Romans 14, 19, y'all know this. Let us, therefore, let us pursue the things, or I would even say the people, which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. 
Edify means to strengthen or build up morally and or spiritually. Are those the people that we're following in life? I'm going to give you a few things here real quick, and you can see them in your notes. I encourage you to follow those people whose fruit displays these three things. Number one, that they're following Jesus. Don't, don't spend a whole lot of time following somebody who's not a believer. And I would encourage you this. You should have people in your life that you're close to, that you're spending the majority of your time with, who have a closer relationship to the Lord than you do. Because they will propel you forward. Just being around them, it will push you forward. How do you know the people we generally want to hang out with are the people that make us feel comfortable? The ones who say what we want to hear. I would encourage you, follow those who are following Jesus. That maybe you look at them and you think, man, I wish my life was surrendered as much as theirs. Follow them. <laughs> That's where we need to go, right there. It doesn't mean we can't be friends with others, be friends with the world. But these should be the people we spend the majority of our time with if we're going to grow. And they will rub off on us. Secondly, we should follow those whose fruit shows they are strong where we are weak. I don't know how many people I've talked to who are having marriage problems. A guy will come and be like, oh, my wife, this and that. And I went and I talked to my buddy at work and he agreed with me. And he said, here's what I need to do. And I'd be like, that's what he told you? Is your buddy married? Yeah, well, he's divorced. Like, okay. What, else, what if instead of being ashamed and hiding our issues, what if we went to people who that was their strength? And we allowed their strength to rub off on us. What keeps us from doing it? It's pride, isn't it? It's pride. I don't want anybody to know I got a problem. Let me tell you, one of our key scriptures in the men's group a year or two ago, Proverbs 18.1, I think it's in your notes. He who separates himself, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Another version says he is a fool. If you go it alone, if you're the one that says, I don't need no help, I can handle this, I know what the answer is, the Bible says you're a fool. That we need each other. We need somebody to follow. And y'all quiet. Y'all agree? Last thing, follow people whose fruit shows you that they are walking in God's promises and favor. How many of you know 80-something percent of Americans call themselves Christians? I wonder what that true number is. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, it's amazing. Ask, just ask random people sometime, uh, do you know Jesus? Oh yeah, I was baptized in the Lutheran church when I was eight. Like, what? Did you answer my question? People don't even know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We need to follow people who don't just claim to follow Jesus, but people who have walked with him long enough that they're beginning to walk in his promises and his favor, that you can see the fruit of it in their lives. Why would you claim to follow somebody that, why would you follow somebody who claims to follow Jesus if you saw no fruit? If you saw no evidence of it. Sometimes walking in the fruit of the Spirit, how many of you know sometimes walking in the fruit of the Spirit is a choice? Sometimes we choose to love, don't we? Sometimes we choose to be patient, and I struggle with that. But it does get easier as we walk with Jesus longer. But the promises of God 
are the fruit that comes from doing things God's way. As we do things God's way, as we choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, we see His promises begin to blossom in our life. We begin to see that we're walking in His favor and His hand is upon us. And suddenly things that were difficult start getting easier. Because we're walking in His footsteps and we're doing what He says. God's promises, I just started listing a few. People who are walking in God's promises. God promises salvation to all who believe. He promises a new life. He promises that all things will work out for good. He promises comfort and peace and even joy in our trials. He promises rest. He promises every spiritual blessing. He promises to supply all of our needs. He promises an abundant life. He promises healing emotionally and physically. He promises power from on high and many other things. What if we started following people who were walking in God's promises. This should be the standard that we have when we start choosing who we're going to follow. And, and understanding that we, none of us have arrived. <laughs> we're all in process. But if we're in process in God, we should be making some progress. And it should be measurable. Each year, we should be able to look back on our lives and go, wow, I've, I've really grown in this area in the last year. If we don't see any difference between this year and last year, I would say we're not making progress. And we need to get behind somebody who's making progress. And we need to start following them. Question. Would you go to a doctor? Would you go see a doctor who every time you go, he's always got a terrible cough, he's hacking up stuff, and, and he's always sick? Would you go see somebody, would you go see a physical trainer to get in shape who's obesely overweight and can't take five steps without stopping and catching their breath? You'd be like, you're the trainer? Would you entrust your money and seek counsel financially from somebody who's driving some hoopty car that's blowing out black smoke? Always complain about how they can't make ends meet. Well, here's my money, you know. What? Would you seek marriage advice from somebody who's in the middle of a nasty custody divorce, you know, custody battle in their divorce? Of course not. Somebody's always griping about their spouse. And let me tell you, I, I won't touch on this long, but this is the problem pastors face sometimes. People look at their pastor and they say, wow, his life really looks perfect. Man, he's just got a perfect marriage. He's just got it all together. He's got, he seems to be doing decently financially. He's doing pretty good. Man, his Kids are just perfect. He's got the ideal life. He just can't relate to me in my situation. He can't possibly understand where I'm coming from. He hadn't walked in my shoes. I mean, you know, that's a lie of the enemy. It's a trap the enemy sets out in front of us to deceive us. Let me tell you, Pastors have a big target on their back in the spirit and in the physical. And 
You don't know the things they walk through sometimes. Many times they go through things that nobody else goes through. You don't know the price they've paid to get to the place where they're at. And I would encourage you just to understand that people who are walking in God's promises, they've walked through trials and tribulations. Haven't arrived, but they've walked through them. They've faced many of the same attacks as everybody else. The difference is they've chosen to do things God's way. That's what makes them a good example to follow. If we can get past our pride and, and not wanting to expose ourselves, so to say, our junk, our dirt. Don't fall into the lie that says the only person that can speak into my life is the person who's walked through the same trials as me. If that's true, Jesus' ministry was worthless. He never sinned. He didn't walk through a lot of sin. He was tempted in every way. And he didn't walk in your shoes. He didn't experience what you've experienced in a lot of ways. He didn't have to. Because he was the answer. He had, we have the answer. Amen? It's a lie of the enemy to keep us from moving forward. So when it comes to the things of this world, and in this world we involve ourselves in, I encourage you to ask yourself, would I be doing this? Would I be watching this? Would I be reading this? Would I be associating myself with this if I could physically see Jesus sitting next to me right now? The whole what would Jesus do takes, a whole new, takes on a whole new picture then. Jesus wants to hang out with us, but the question is, would he feel comfortable hanging out with us? Bring it a little closer to home. Maybe we need to make a what would Pastor Bob do bracelet. How many of you know that if Pastor Bob told you this afternoon that he was going to drop by your house for a few minutes, there's some of us that would be hiding stuff. We'd be, oh God. we'd be getting home and we'd be, seriously, straighten out. Oh if you've got to make all kinds of changes in that situation, it might be time to make some changes. When you're around Pastor Bob, if you find that, oh, you've got to watch your mouth and you've got to watch your attitude toward your spouse, you know what? It's probably time to make some changes. Third thing, last thing that I would ask you is who is following you? And I think this is just a, as big a question because you realize who is following you says a lot about you. We are naturally followers, but we are also leaders. You may think there's not an ounce of leadership in you. You are a leader, regardless of whether you like it or not. You're influencing somebody. I see Ms. Brenda back there shaking her head. She influences me every week with that contagious smile of hers, always needing a hug. Isn't that true? We are all leading somebody, at bare minimum, just your family. And those around you, you probably have others that you look up to, that look up, people that look up to you, people that may you found at work, that may occasionally ask you for advice, or somebody that maybe haven't asked you for advice yet, but you found that they've kind of begun to open up to you and share some things. Maybe it's somebody that hadn't said anything to you yet, but people are watching us. A few questions I'd invite you to ask. Why are these people following me? Why? It may be that it's an immediate family member. It may be that it's a coworker. 
maybe an employee under you. But why is it that people, there are people in our lives that listen to what we have to say? Maybe it's because, maybe it is because they know that you'll tell them exactly what they want to hear and you'll make them feel good about themselves. Maybe it's because they know you'll speak the truth. Maybe it's because they can relate to you and what you're going through in life. Maybe it's a similar situation. That's common. We're usually kind of drawn to those kind of people. Maybe it is because of what you have in common. Maybe they see what you have and they want to be like you. We have grown so far in our marriage and with our kids and everything. And, but, you know, man, those first number of years, Jesus help us all. I remember we had just moved back. We'd been here for a year and bought that house over in Magnolia Lakes or whatever. And I remember the, remember the lady down the street, her living boyfriend or whatever was abusing drugs and doing different things, and it was a mess, and their kids would come down and want to play with Lauren and want her to come over and be like, oh, they can play here at our house, right here, right here, right here. Um, and I remember the day after months that she walked down to our house, and she walked down to Shauna, and she said, I've been watching you all day after day out front playing with your family. She said, I want a family like that. And I just thought, wow, <laughs> Lord, maybe we're making it somewhere. <laughs> Somebody wants to be like us. I thought, my goodness. <laughs> what are the results of these people following you? The people that ask you for advice, are they positive results or negative results? Are you having a positive influence or negative influence? Are you speaking God's truth or the truth of our worldly culture? What changes need to be made? We're all called to be examples, God's examples in the world, be godly examples in the world. How do we do that? We do that by bearing godly fruit. How do we do that? By being a follower of Jesus. We've got to be a follower of Jesus first. Then we begin to bear godly fruit. Then we are godly examples in the world and we can fulfill the Great Commission. It's the way it was always supposed to be. And in closing here, I'm going to get real honest for a minute because this has been kind of what's grieved me lately. I think too often today, the church looks just like the world. There's too little a difference anymore. We get angry and we fly into a rage. How many people have cut me off, pulled out in front of me, honk the horn, flip me off, and you see a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on there. You're just like, Lord. We're watching and associating with the things of the world, dabbling in things that are contrary to God's word, not walking in love, cursing, not blessing, living together with others, having sex outside of marriage. Many of our marriages are falling apart. The divorce rate in the church is almost, almost as high as the world. Our children are a mess. We smart off to and badmouth authority. We don't respect them and pray for them. We live selfish, self-absorbed lives. And guess what? It's all on display on Facebook. Why are these things the truth? Because we're not following Jesus. This is the reality today. And the reality is the church needs to follow Jesus again. Come to church on Sunday mornings, just 
not enough. It never was. How many of you have noticed we come to church less and less than we ever did before? How many of you remember when you were a kid and you went to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and intercessory prayer on Friday and a special guest speaker on Saturday and you were back on Sunday morning? Now, we, we through Fellowship One, we, we track all of our attendance and different things like that and from the connection cards. We expect all of our members to come through, all of our active attenders to come through once a month. That's kind of sad. We're not following Jesus. And then yet we still expect God to bless us and we expect him to use us. Let me tell you, the Christians in the Middle East, they know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They're in a place where it's hard. We're in the place where it's easy. And they're taking a stand where they're seeing their children get raped and beheaded before their eyes, and they still won't deny Jesus. Jesus needs to be the center of it all again. Let me tell you, you know what ISIS says to me? You know what all the gang violence and different things says to me? There is a generation that's looking for something. They want something to buy into. They want something to live for, and if they buy into it, they will die for it. Why is it not the church? I think there's not enough godly example out there. They see hypocrisy. They hear us saying things and not walking it out. Why would they buy into that? At least these other options they've got are die hard and they're going to stick to what they say no matter what. It's a difficult place. I know we're all in process. But the fruit of a Christian life in progress, in process, should be progress. Our goal should be to look more like Jesus every day. The disciples asked Jesus before he left. They said, well, wait a minute. How, how are we going to know other people are really your followers? Because you said there's going to be some that speak in your name but aren't really following you. How are we going to know that people are really your followers? What did he say? He said, you'll know them by their fruit. They're everyday actions, especially when things get tough. The words that come out of our mouths, the way we treat people, the way we handle situations, the way we put our trust in him. We have to follow Jesus. Guys, who else is there? We follow the God who created all that is seen and unseen. We follow the God who reigns forever and is the king of glory. He proved his love for us when he was crucified and took care of our sin. Even the stripes he took brought our healing. He rose victoriously from the dead. And he comes to us. He gives us the choice of having a life of cursing or blessing. He never shuns us. He never blows us off. He never disappoints us, never lets us down. He reigns so much higher than any celebrity or God of this world. The Bible promises that he will crush all evil and that one day all things will be submitted to him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. His kingdom will never end and he will be king regardless of who likes it or not. He's a God of his word and he'll always keep it. Tell me what we've got that can compete with that. 
I ask you, who will you follow? You've got to make progress. Amen? We're in process, but we've got to make progress. It's time to move forward in our lives. If you're going around the same mountain, the same thing over and over and over again, month after month, year after year, it's time to get freedom. It's time to move on. Who will you follow? I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to follow those who are following Jesus. If you agree, let's stand up together. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. First and foremost, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to submit yourself to him. And you've got to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. This has been put off as a, for years as a simple little pair. Just, just repeat after me, but let me tell you there's more to it. Actually, not one time in Scripture did the disciples lead somebody in prayer to receive Jesus. People just did it. They followed him. I think it's good that we do it because it gives us a point, a monument of remembrance, a moment where we decided and made a decision. But it's more than a prayer. It's saying, Lord, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm no longer going to follow my selfish desires. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to follow your path, and I'm going to follow your way. I'm going to make a change. That means I'm going to let you take the steering wheel of my life, and I'm going to step back, and I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to let you lead me. I'm going to let you guide me. And as you do that, and you give your life to him, you'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and you'll begin to see his promises in your life. But first and foremost, we've got to surrender, and we've got to choose to follow Every head bowed, if there's anybody here, and you would say, you know what, I have truly, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. And you may truly have never done it. But there may be others that would say, you know, I did when I was young, but <laughs> there is no way he is Lord of my life right now. I am living for myself, my own selfish desires. I'm doing things my way and not God's way. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life to him with every head bowed, I just encourage you to lift your hand real quick. Yeah, who else? Mm. Man, maybe I see your hand. Anybody else? That's three people in this place already. Anybody else that would say, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to follow Jesus today? Mm. Four. Five. Six. Anybody else? All right, you can put your hands down. Six people rededicating their lives today. Every head bowed, let's, let's pray. And I, I, I'm going to have everybody repeat after me. The Bible says if you mean every word of this, that things are going to change. God, repeat after me. God, I recognize that I have not lived my life for you. I have followed my own desires. I've followed my own way. I've looked like the world. Today, I want to change. I want to make you Lord of my life. I need you to be Lord of my life. I believe 
and I recognize Jesus as my Savior. I believe that he died on that cross for my sin. He paid my penalty. He took my punishment. He gave everything for me. Lord, today, I give everything in return. I give you my life. I give you my desires. I give you my dreams. I ask you to take the wheel of my heart. Direct me, Lord. Lead me and guide me. I will serve you from this day forward. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Empower me to do all that you've called me to do, to be all that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you for every person that raised their hand. I pray, God, that today they would make the choice to tell someone else and to be accountable to someone else in their life, to follow somebody who is following you. If they would look around and you would show them someone that, that is a godly example. God, I just pray, Lord, that you, you put so many opportunities in front of us of people to follow. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the godly examples that are here. I thank you, Lord, for our small groups, places where we can be there with other believers and share encourage, be accountable. Lord, I just pray that this week that that would be the important thing on our heart, that we'd be like, who am I following? That we would examine all the things that we spend our time and give our devotion to. And Lord, we would bring some things in line this week. We'd line ourselves up with your will and your way. We want to be just like you. We love you so much, God. Be the center of it all as we yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.